All right, Galatians chapter 3. Verse 26 is really a summary of what he's already said in the beginning of the chapter, so I like to teach that way. I like to start at the summary and then then go back to why he said that a little bit. So Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26 says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. So he's talking about the brotherhood of man under Christ. He's talking about the uh, species known as man. In the species known as man, there's man and woman. You are all sons of God under that species if, if you've received Christ. So he says uh, there's, there's not male or female, there's not Jew or Greek, there's not Americans and Mexicans and Mexican-Americans and whatever, you know, there's not, there's not um, Jews and barbarians and you know, all the things that the scripture uses to talk about the differences that existed in those days under the umbrella of Christ. I don't care if you're English or African or American or Mexican or Spaniard or Indian or whatever you are. There's no difference. And there's no difference. There's neither male nor female. The promise, the, the wonderful thing about that is that everything that God has is for every one of you regardless of your heritage, your, your natural heritage, or your gender. Praise God. So don't let, ladies, don't let somebody tell you you can't in God. Don't let them tell you you can't. Well, I don't believe in woman preachers. Well, get over it. Read the New Testament. They're in there. Pastors and leaders, they're in there. Church planters, women. I love that. Anyway, this wasn't supposed to be about that. But If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Would you just take that, a hold of that? Just take that. If you are Christ's, how many are Christ's tonight? Do you belong to him? If you are his, you're Abraham's seed. Now, uh, the scripture said not everyone in the, told uh, all the Jewish folk, all of you just because you're Jews don't make you Abraham's seed. It don't make you his offspring by faith. It don't make you his spiritual offspring. You are in the natural line of Abraham. You're not in his spiritual line. So then he go all the way back to Galatians 3.1 and he says to them, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? You saw that he was crucified. You saw that he was dead and buried and resurrected. You saw that he fulfilled uh, the promises according to the the, uh, scripture as the Messiah. And here you've seen with your own eyes. And he says, now I want to ask you a question. Verse 2, this only I want to learn from you. I want you to explain something to me. Here's what he's saying to them. I want you to explain something to me. Did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by the works of the law, by something you did to obtain it, or by hearing by faith? You heard the message of the gospel, you received it by faith. Which way did you receive it? 
you received it by faith. Well, there had come in, apparently, in this discussion, there had come in um, some kind of a doctrinal argument among the Galatians, and people were beginning to say, well, that's fine, you received it by faith, but now you've got to do this stuff. Particularly, you've got to be circumcised, and you've got to go down to the temple, and you've got to go through all this ceremonial uh, experiences. No. The apostle saying, you know, you just had to receive Christ by faith. And so he says to them, I, I want to know, I want you to explain this to me. Explain how you could have received the gospel by faith and then suddenly you're making a list of things that we have to go back to. Explain it to me. And in verse 3 he says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, that you now think that you're going to be made perfect by the flesh? By something you can do. Are you, going, are you going to perfect yourself? I don't think so. He's making the point. Have you suffered the things that you have suffered in vain? You, in other words, you've come this far, and then you want to return to that? You've come this far into freedom, and you want to go back to that? You've come this far in the liberty of Christ, and you want to go back to those rules and regulations that will not justify you in the sight of God? So he asked the question, who has bewitched you? Let's talk about that term. And, I, and this is important because I want, uh, I want you to understand what he was saying to them. Someone has come in amongst you and they have manipulated you away from the truth. Witchcraft is, is manipulation. Someone has come in among you and they have manipulated your thinking they have manipulated your opinions, they have manipulated your thoughts, and, and they have brought false doctrine to you and convinced you through a bewitching spirit, a spirit of manipulation, by a, it is literally, listen, a person who is manipulative, they have a craft. That's why we call it witchcraft. They're crafty. That's another word that he used in scripture. Craftiness. They have a craft. They are skillful manipulators. Skillful manipulators, it's witchcraft. They don't, may not think of themselves as a witch, and they may not be, uh, uh, be standing there, sitting there doing incantations with a candle and a pentagram and all that stuff. But they're sitting at home and they're thinking, how can I convince these people that I am right? Well, I can do this, and I can do this, and I can put this in front of them, and then I can convince them with this, and I can take it home from here manipulation it's a craft it's a well-laid scheme to get you from where you are knowing to get them from where they were knowing the truth to get them into a place of returning to the works of the law or the works of the flesh so he says who has bewitched you and who has manipulated you that's an important thing to understand because the apostle said that uh as soon as he was gone, he was concerned that false teachers would come into the church and they were already there. And he said that the Antichrist and the false doctrine would always be with you and then would increase in the last days. How many understand we're in the last days? So it's important to understand that in that uh, approach of, of being taught false doctrine that, uh, that is a spirit of manipulation. It is the enemy's intent to manipulate you to think incorrectly. This is why. You received Jesus, and Jesus forgave you of your sins. He can't take that away from you. 
that he can sure take away your abundant life, your joyful experience. He can take away your fruitfulness in the kingdom. Uh, He can take away your testimony. He can take away all of these things. He can can take away from you your effectiveness as people of faith in the earth by getting you to believe a lie or to behave in a way that does not appropriately represent Christ. The moment that they returned to the works of the law and the works of the flesh, they were inappropriately representing Christ in the earth, and all of a sudden the message was clouded and muddied. The gospel was no longer clear. The enemy's not worried about you. He can't get you, but he wants to muddy the water for the people that you're walking in front of. He wants to make the message cloudy. It's manipulation. So he says to them, you saw Christ crucified, you understand, you've been taught the liberty that we have in Christ and the fact that you came to freedom, not of your own works, but you just heard the message and received it. And then you want to lay the burden of, well, you got to do this and you got to do that. You got to walk 10 paces that way and pray three Hail Marys. Oh, I wasn't going to say that. And you got to do this and that and the other thing to get there. Uh Uh-uh you got to receive by faith. So you became the seed of Abraham by faith. Now he goes on to say this in verse 5. I, I like this. He says, therefore, he's asking them a question again. He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? When the Holy Spirit pours out among you, when the Holy Spirit is supplied to you, is it because of anybody's work? You know, we come in here and we just worship the Lord and, 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 and the Holy Spirit is just poured out and we lay hands on the sick and they recover. We don't do it. He does it. And all that is done, is that done by, by works of the law? Is that, did we do something to manufacture that? No, honestly, we just showed up. I'm telling you, some of the best, some of the best times in the presence of the Lord, I've shown up to church and I've said to the Lord in my office or in the prayer room, Lord, I got nothing today. You love those people. And if you don't bring it, it won't be here. I can't bring it. I've got no strength to bring it on my own. And those are the times when I when I walk away scratching my head. Because people are, are leaving the church and they say, I was so built up today. I was so encouraged today. God was so good today. The anointing was so present today. And I just learned that now I'm kind of to the point that I'm like, Lord, every week, I, I, I bring nothing. I just show up. We just show up in faithfulness. We faithfully show up and do the things that God calls to do and, and, and just be in his presence. He does it. Okay, so the question remains. He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God, Abraham, God said, Abraham go, Abraham went. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, he was just made righteous. God just said, you know, he believes me, he's obeying me, that shows me that he believes me, he's righteous. That was before the cross. He was declared to be righteous before the shedding of the blood for remission of sin because he believed God. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. Uh, Well, the problem is, for us, it's too simple. We've got to complicate it. 
or we're not happy. <laughs> right? We've got to complicate it to make ourselves happy. It can't be that easy. There must be something I have to do. There must be something I have to say. No, that's not how it works. And see, oh, oh, okay, and ver- so therefore, know that, all, listen, verse 7, you've got to have this with verse 26. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Well, he just made all those religious Jewish folks mad because only those who are of faith, only those who believe what God said, only those who believe the message of the gospel are sons of Abraham. The scriptures foreseeing, listen, I love this, I love this, isn't this beautiful? The scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham. Listen to how God preached the gospel to Abraham. Abraham, listen to this. You've got to receive this. Listen to how God preached the gospel to Abraham. Abraham, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And the apostle is saying when he said that to Abraham, he's preaching the gospel to him. He said, Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. Now he says to Abraham, I'm going to make you a chosen people. I'm going to make you, you you're, going to ha- you're going to be a nation. I choose you, and then through you and through your people, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Well, what God was saying is Jesus is going to come. He's going to die. He's going to be resurrected. He, the gospel is going to be preached throughout the nations. Through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. But that line to Abraham was the good news. That was the gospel. That was the gospel. That was it. Okay, the gospel is no more complicated than that. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Abraham, I want to bless everybody through you. End of story. That's the gospel. The gospel is good news. So he says that, that God preached the gospel to Abraham, saying, in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. We're blessed the same as believing Abraham. We're blessed with the same blessing as believing Abraham. We're blessed with the same promise as believing Abraham. So what God said to Abraham, Abraham, through you, all the nations of the earth be blessed. If you will raise up godly offspring and you will reproduce believers through you, his blessing is poured out all over the earth. So, and in, in, uh, let's just move real quickly here in Galatians 3.10. For, um, for as many as are of the works of the law, they're under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. If you're under the law, you have to do it all. If you're going to raise that standard, you've got to do it all. So, anyone who couldn't do it or didn't do it that was under it was under a curse. It's important to understand that to be free from the curse. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God. We're in verse 11. And no one is justified by by the law in the sight of God is evident for the scripture says the just shall live by faith. So if you're going to be justified, you have to live by faith. All right, I have to stop here.
the motivation for pleasing God is not to receive his acceptance. The motivation for pleasing God is because you have received his acceptance. So many people live their life today in the church today, not just our church, the church at large, live their life, live their experience with God trying to get his approval. People live their entire lives trying to get the approval of God. The sad thing is they're living their life trying to get the approval, trying to get something they already have. And here, the wheels are turning. If I do this, it'll make him happy. If I do that, it'll make them happy. So so that's largely, uh, probably for most people, environmental. It's the way they were raised and uh, and uh, that they are trying to please authority their their mom dad spouse whatever their it's their nature to please to, to make that person happy particularly if they lived in a situation where they had authority over them that they could never make happy and they spent their life trying that's an uphill climb but then people get the view of god i need to make him pleased with me instead of understanding that the reason you have entrance is because you are accepted. You couldn't, we are, we are desiring to please God because we are accepted, not because we're trying to be accepted. Very important. To walk in the blessing of Abraham, to walk by faith, is to understand that we are the beloved we are accepted. We do not need to be accepted. And once we realize that we are accepted, then it's a joyful, it's just rejoicing to please him, to do that which is pleasing to the Lord. Then it's not a burden and it's not a have to, it's I want to. I want to bless the Lord with my, with my whole life. I want the works of my hand to be a joy of the Lord. I want the things that I produce in this life to reflect upon him with favor and kindness. And I want people to, the Bible says, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You're not working to get his acceptance. You're joyfully serving because you're accepted. What a, what a word. So, he said, no one's justified by the law in the sight of God. It's evident for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not a faith. The man who does uh, them must live by them. But Christ has redeemed us. This is why it was important for you to understand that you were under a curse. Those under the law were under a curse. Because Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Cursed is everyone who's under the law, who can't, who can't obey the law, or who doesn't keep the whole law, just as cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He became a curse for us. He became the curse for us so that we could be the righteousness of God or, or the justified by faith. Listen, verse 14, I wanted to get to this. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, or the nations, or all people in Christ, 
that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now let's talk about that. Jesus, that, that Partly Jesus said, I'm going to go away and I'm going to send the Spirit. And that, that is a reference to that, that we would receive the promise of the fullness of the Spirit because now do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that he, God has come to dwell in you? Okay, part of that promise, that part of that, that uh, the Holy Spirit is the seal, the Scripture says. The Holy Spirit is the seal. It is the proof in the pudding that that you are God's. The Holy Spirit is the seal. In the, in the last days, when everybody's running around getting a stamp on themselves or getting that little barcode or whatever little chip they're going to put it, however they're going to do that with the Antichrist, the Bible says that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's their seal. The Holy Spirit is our seal. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. Okay. And I want to get in, we'll be here all night if we talk about that, won't we, Leroy? Yeah, that was a, that's a full night right there. And, and maybe a full month, week, week or two. So let's talk about this. He said in verse 14 that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. So I want to talk about the blessing of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to Abraham. He speaks this blessing to him. And we're just going to take it apart and unpack it a little bit. The first thing that he said to him, he said, Abraham, I want you to go into the land that I'm going to show you. You can, you can look in Genesis chapter 12 and read that whole chapter, and you'll see, starting in verse 1, I want you to go into the land that I will show you. So the first thing God says to Abraham is, will you let me lead you? God desires to lead us by his spirit, and he would like, us, like to lead us to the place in our lives where that we are joyfully serving and fulfilling his purposes for us. God desires to lead you. Now, Abraham, the way God led Abraham, he said, go, go. How many would like to go on a trip? You don't know where your destination is, but all that the person says to you is, I want you to get in the car and I want you to go that way. Just go that way. That's all God said to Abraham. Go that way. And he pointed him in the direction he wanted him to go. And he said, I will show you. When you get there, I'll show you. And we see that in Scripture. As Abraham arrived in that place, God began to say, lift up your eyes and look around and see and, and, and go set your foot here and set your foot there and I'm going to bless you and look at the sands of the sea and the stars in the sky. We, we have all of that um, exchange between Abraham and God as God uh, reaffirmed these promises to him. But he says, I want to lead you. And I want you to think about this as part of the promise that Abraham received from God. God promised Abraham, I'm going to lead you. If God promised Abraham, I'm going to lead you, then you have a promise from God, I'm going to lead you. He wants to lead our children to the right spouse. He wants to lead us to the right church. He's led you to the right church, planted you in the right place to worship. He wants to lead us in our education. He wants to lead us in our vocation. He wants to lead us in our callings. God wants to lead us in everything that we do. You look at the life of Abraham, and everywhere that he had stumblings and trouble was whenever he decided to do something in addition to what God had told him to do. God said, I want you to take your wife. I want you to get out of here. He says, well, I'm going to take my wife, I'm going to take my cousin, I'm going to take my uncle, I'm going to take my nephew, I'm going to take a little of this and a little of that. That's not what God told him. And when he took Lot, that was the conflict. When he added to what God said. 
Anytime we add to what God said, that creates the conflict in our life. Anytime you add to the instruction of the Lord, you create conflict. When the children of Israel were called into uh, the promised land, he said, I want you to go in and I want you to drive out the inhabitants and I want you to, that's your land, drive out the inhabitants. Everywhere they decided to keep the inhabitants, it became trouble because they didn't follow the leading of the Lord. We must learn to obey the Lord uh, specifically and completely and not add to. Remember when um, Saul, Saul was leading the children of Israel into battle and the Lord said, in this particular case, I don't want you to take any spoils and I want you to go in and utterly destroy. And Saul says, okay, we're going to go in and utterly destroy. Well, then when he goes in, it's like, oh, man, there's some nice looking sheep and some fancy goats. Man, those people know how to raise a flock. Look at that. There's some, some nice possessions. Well, let's just take the, we'll take the good stuff and sacrifice it to the Lord, and we'll take this stuff, and I can put that in the bank, and I can put that in. You know, he started that assessment. Then the prophet comes, and the prophet says, how come you didn't obey the Lord? He goes, I obeyed the Lord. They're destroyed. Then why do I hear their sheep? That's what he said. Why do I still hear their sheep? Bah. Bad. That's what he's hearing. That's what he's hearing off in the distance. He goes, you didn't have sheep when I came up here and sent you over here. And why do you, why do you have sheep now? He goes, well, uh, the people. First of all, it's like Adam. You know, my wife. Well, Saul pulled that. The people. And then, well, I thought we'd sacrifice. And, and he said, don't you know that obedience is better than sacrifice? Every time we add to what God's instruction is, we create conflict for ourselves. And then we say, oh God, what are you doing? God wants to lead you. We do this by letting, our, in, our, in our experience, we do this by letting the Holy Spirit lead us. The Holy Spirit that dwells in you. Proverbs 3, 5, we read this uh, on Sunday, the last couple of weeks. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. The next blessing I want to talk about in Abraham is that he told Abraham, I'll make you a great nation. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. This man who had no children, when he received this promise, he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. I want you to understand that in Christ, if Jews who were born Jews, who don't, who don't receive the gospel, are not the seed of Abraham, and Gentiles who receive the promise and walk by faith are the seed of Abraham, then when God is forming his nation, understand he sees things differently than we do we everybody sitting in this room who've received christ by faith are part of the nation that god has created if we're the seed of abraham we're part of his nation our covenant our citizenship the bible says is not in the earth our citizenship is in heaven our citizenship. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are more brothers and sisters to one another than we are brothers and sisters to our unsaved loved ones in the mind of God. That may be hard to hear and hard to swallow. In, you, know, you may be very close, you may love someone very deeply who refuses to walk with God they may, that you're related to. You are more related to the people around you according to Scripture and according to the tenets of faith 
according to God's word, you're more related to the people you're sitting in the room with right now than you are to anyone who refuses to walk with God. That's just the truth of it. That really ought to be comfort to you. That really ought to be strength to you. I was talking to um, a pastor friend of mine at a point when we were, we were juggling because as a family in ministry, we have a lot of things that, that uh, we have a lot of crossover. And one of the th- ways we have a lot of crossover is, uh, is sometimes we have a birthday party or whatever, and it turns into an event planning meeting. You know, we start talking about, well, when, you know, when we all, let, let's talk to Melinda, do this in Powerhouse, or let's talk to so-and-so, I think we ought to do this in, in worship, or let's talk to so-and-so, I think we ought to do this in, you know, in, in the summer fellowships, or whatever. We always, we're always talking about, we, we love this stuff. But there's times when we look at each other and say, can we sit here and do home and not do church planning tonight? Can we just lay that down tonight? And I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and, and I said, you know, I got, I got family, and I got church family, and all this kind of stuff, and I got all these things going on. It was one of those busy times, and everything was crossing over with everything else. And I said, I don't know how to sort that out. He said, you can't sort it out. They are your family. The church is your family. Read, read the Bible. Those people are your family. And I said, you know what? You're absolutely right. Resolves it for me. We're family. Because we're the seed of Abraham. He's our father. And people who don't walk with Jesus are not. People who don't receive by faith the message of the gospel are not. Doesn't mean they won't be. We need to bring them in if, we, if, if they will hear. But we're family under Abraham. So he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. We're part of the great family, the family of God. You don't join it. You have to be born into it, and you're born into it by receiving Jesus. When you received Jesus, you became a part of that great nation that God promised Abraham about. I don't know how all that's going to look in eternity. I'm pretty excited about it, actually. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Leroy's assignment is. I know there's a library in heaven, and God's got some great technology, I'm telling you, Leroy. See, imagine a book on the stacks up there and you want it and suddenly it's just on your desk. He's got some great technology. I don't know. Maybe you don't want to be in a library for eternity. <laughs> you've, spent, you've spent enough time there. It's a nice library. I'm sure we'll spend a lot of time there. Blessing number three, I want to talk to you. He said, he said, I, I want to take you to a land. I'm going to show you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And then the next thing he says, I'm going to bless you. Don't skip that. That's just one line in that promise. And we can just go over that and read, I'm going to bless you and do this and that and the other thing. And, and, and we skip that. And that may be one of the most vital statements in that covenant with Abraham. God wants to bless us. He wants to meet every need in our lives. He told Abraham, I'm going to just bless your socks off until everybody around you go, what is going on with you? And how do you do that? Even when you make a mistake, it turns out good. How do you do that? And that's how God wants the world to see the church. Uh, It's not seeing the church that way right now. But that's how God wants the world to see the church. Now, Maybe the church at large, the world won't see that way. But you, in your workplace and in your relationships, people look at you and go, 
man, nothing seems to throw you. Nothing seems to knock you down. Nothing seems to get under your skin. How do you do that? How is it that I know sometimes that you have more money than you have money. I never see you worry. You don't wring your hands. You, haven't lost, you don't lose sleep over, over the hard things that come. How do you do that? I'm blessed. I have peace. Okay. That's how God wants the world to view you. You don't get, how come stuff that knocks everybody down don't knock you down? How come you just seem to go on? Okay, so that was God's blessing to Abraham. He wants to meet the, the needs of our life. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Doesn't all mean all? Amazing to me how we limit God. And then he knows what we have need of even before we ask. He wants us, he, he tells us that in scripture. He wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. And in John 10.10, 10, Jesus said this, the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy, but I've come that they might have life, they might have it more abundantly. And then the scripture tells us he'll do above all, more than we could ask or think. Now, now get this, we like that part. I've heard people stand up back in the day, back in the day we used to have testimony service. I don't do that much anymore because of uh, things people used to say. They could destroy a service in a moment. You start people laughing, you can't get it back, you know. But this, they would get up and say, I know he can do more than I can ask or think. But this is what that scripture says, according to the power that works in us. God will do more than you could ask or think, but he wants to do it in and through you. He wants to do it through the flow of your life. He doesn't want to do it with external. We're always waiting for a miracle to come from out here. He wants to bring the miracle up from within you. He wants the miracle to be expressed out of your life. He wants to turn your impossible situations into great possibilities. Pastor Chris said the other night, I think he was quoting Judah. He said, God, God, Judah Smith, he said, God just, I can't remember the terminology he used, but how excited God gets to do the miraculous. Well, he wants to do it in and through us, according to the power that works in us. So it, so it becomes dependent upon us releasing him to work in and through us. I really would like believers to stop looking to outside, always, always hoping that the answer comes from the distant. The answer is deposited. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The answer has been deposited. You have all wisdom and all understanding deposited within you. You don't need to... You don't need it to come from the outside source. Anyway, that's part of your promise. He'll do more than we can ask or think according to the power which works in us. Uh, that's Ephesians 3.20, and you ought to memorize that. And then the blessing number five that I want to talk to you, he says to him, um, I want to bless you, and then he says, I want you to be a blessing. Don't untie these two. They're tied. They're right back to back. He says, I want to bless you, and I want you to be a blessing. We've discovered that in order for him to bless us, we need to be a blessing. We need to be a channel through which he can flow. People who become a dead sea, the blessing stops. It can't get in. And there are some people who just, well, I got enough. Thank you, Lord. Give me enough to take care of me. 
I'd really like to have enough to give away. I like to have enough to pour out, right? So we're ble- he told Abraham, I'm, I'm going to bless you and I want you to be a blessing. God wants us to be a blessing to all people. That doesn't mean you have all the answers or that you can fix every problem. Jesus said you always have poor people with you. You're always going to have needy people around you. He's, and I always say this. This is just wisdom. Can I just give you some wisdom? God's not asking you to do what you can't do. He's asking you to do what you can do. He's asking you to do what he equipped you to do. He's not asking you to be a blessing that's beyond your measure. He's asking you to be a blessing within the measure that he's measured to you. We all walk in a certain grace and in a certain ability, and he wants us to function and be a blessing at that level of grace that he's poured into us. So he says, uh, I want you to be a blessing. And and part of that is taking the gospel to the world and letting our light shine in darkness as Jesus taught in in the New Testament. He said, I'm the light of the world. And then as he was getting ready to get out of here, he said, now you're the light of the world. Be a light. Don't take your light and hide it under a bushel. Nobody sticks it under the bed. We do it at night. We kind of try to hide those things that are... How, how come they, they make so many electronics now? Everything's flashing and, and lights and all that. And stuff bugs you at night. You cover it up. No, lights weren't created to be covered. They were created to be put on a hill. They were created to be put on a lamppost and shine. And part of the blessing that he's called you to be is that you are the light of the world. Blessing number six that he said to Abraham. Uh, we're in the third verse of Genesis chapter 12. He says... I'm going to bless you, I want you to be a blessing, and then I'm going to bless those that bless you. God gets jazzed when people bless his kids. I'm going to tell you right now, it lights him up. He loves it when, when we bless one another, and, and it just jazzes him when, when he can get blessing to you through someone else. Because he's going to bless people that bless you. Sometimes people come up and they want to bless you, and you go, oh, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. Don't rob that blessing. Don't, don't steal that blessing from them. Somehow, humbly receive it. We just get so prideful, so arrogant, so self-sufficient. God didn't tell Abraham to be self-sufficient. He said, I'm going to bless those that bless you. Expect it. I think we ought to expect it. Expect blessing. And rejoice in it. Don't get arrogant about it. Just rejoice in it. So he says, I want you to be a blessing, and then I want a blessing to bless you. God does not only want us to be a bless, uh, to, uh, us to bless, but also to be a blessing, and then he wants others to be a channel through which it can come back to us. 